welcome to the Checkered to Green podcast with your hosts, David Maudie and Elliot Tardiff. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever and wherever you're listening to this, this is From Checkered to Green, the podcast all about racing as told by three lifelong race fans and from time to time talking about the business aspects of racing. The green it takes to take the green. Welcome everyone to episode 26. I am David Maudi alongside my colleagues, Elliot Tardiff and Ryan Kolpak. Gentlemen, good evening. Evening, sir. Good evening, gentlemen. Well, I will tell you, we are drying out for the next day or so here in central New York. Um, We um, had Fred come into the neighborhood and no, it was not a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um, We had three days of rain, about seven inches in spots over those three days, and uh, some localized flooding in this area, um, including about 10 minutes down the road from here. Um, the barbershop I went to got flooded out and is temporarily shut down at the moment, along with some of the businesses. So um, caught us all by surprise, but um, Hopefully things will cross, but we still got some flood warnings in the area. So we'll kind of see what Henry has to do, but today was nice. So got to enjoy a little bit with um, doing stuff with the family. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Well, we just finished up having our frank exchange of ideas with Fred um, a few days ago down here in North Carolina. Um, And we actually here in central North Carolina didn't have much from it, but areas out to the west out in uh, the mountains um, had some very, very bad flooding from it. Um, there uh, uh, the mountains out here, it's all rock and all canyons, um, you know, and rivers at the, at the bottom of them. And so when you get some heavy rain, like they did, I think it was they had something like nine inches in 24 hours, something like that, maybe even less than that. And um, so all that, that water runs off and into the rivers it goes. And, and there was actually a really, really bad flood out there. I think they, um, they said there were two fatalities and they're still looking for seven others. So um, it, was, it was really bad. There's a lot of uh, property loss and stuff out there. So um, so we'll see. Yeah, you know, and obviously with Henry or Henri, whatever it's called, um, you know, it's definitely a concerning situation back north. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens. Otherwise, um, uh, out here, you know, it's been uh, been a good week. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, enjoying time with family all the, all the while. So um, so yeah, it's been. Uh, it's, it's been good here otherwise and you know especially given uh you know all these other events going on uh you know uh it's it's been good so happy over here in western new york fred really didn't pay us a visit but what we've been able to deal with for the majority of this week is the late summer humidity it's been pretty thick around here topping off this past wednesday afternoon 
and it's 95% relative humidity on an 85 degree day. So anyone who's ever been to the rainforest kind of knows how that feels. But, you know, can't really complain. I'm a summer guy. So, you know, it comes with the territory. I have to accept that is what it is. But uh, beyond that, you know, it's all been pretty good here in Buffalo. Just remember, Ryan, on those hot days, remember to um, properly use deodorant in every single spot. Just a PSA. You know, sometimes that needs to be told. There are those that forget. <laughs> and besides, you and I had a good golfing with your brother on Sunday, so it was fun. Indeed. But with that said, we got a really good show for you tonight. Gentlemen, let's talk IMS in the checkered segment here and some of the, the interesting things that happened. Elliot? Take it away. Indeed, David. This weekend was um, a very unique triple header at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway at the road course. Um, it was the IndyCar Series, the NTT IndyCar Series, um, matched up with the NASCAR Xfinity and NASCAR Cup Series, all racing at the same track the same weekend for the first time in recent memory. And it was a lot of fun, um, a lot of um, interaction um, and a lot of collaboration between all of the, the different series and all the drivers. Um, and it was really, really cool to see. Um, and the racing, uh, well, we had it all. We had the good, bad and the ugly. And so let's, um, let's get into it. Let's talk first about the, uh, the IndyCar race that happened on Saturday. If you recall, in episode 25, we talked about um, who we thought um, needed to have a big weekend and who we were going to have our eyes on. And um, one of them in particular was Will Power um, coming off of his dart without feathers effort at Nashville uh, the week before um, and a lot of criticism being uh, lobbed his way. Um, he was started up front and needed to have a big weekend to kind of put all of those demons behind him and put his season, which has been uh, very, very uh, unlike him, very hard luck um, and uh, not a whole lot of bright spots in it, um, put his season back on track again. And to his credit, he did. And he put on a dominating performance at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course, leading 56 laps, according to racingreference.info, on his way to a convincing win over Roman Grosjean, um, who had an excellent um, race in the Dale Coin with Rick Ware entry. Uh, Colton Herta brought his car home third. Alexander Rossi was fourth. Patricio Award rounded out the top five. Behind that, you had Harvey, Ray Hall, Newgarden, Erickson, and Takuma Sato rounding out the top 10. You had uh, two retirees from the race, Alex Pillow with an engine, and then R.C. Anderson after 12 laps with a clutch failure. 28 cars, all told, took the green flag this weekend, and there were no 
retirees due to a crash. So uh, there was there were two cautions, um, and one of those being an accident between Scott McLaughlin and Renus VK on lap 77. Gentlemen, your thoughts on this weekend or on this race? Well, I got to say, I, I caught the highlights of it. Um, I know they looked into the McLaughlin VK incident. Uh, Robin Miller talked about it in his mailbag, and there, there's essentially no penalty for it. Um, but they did look at, but the one uh, one big thing was um, Paluo uh, puking an engine, essentially, and losing it because it cut into the point lead huge. I mean, there's uh, only about four races left in a 21-gap point lead um, going into this weekend. So that was, that was really huge um, for, for that. But the one thing is I give Scott McLaughlin um, the, the cool move of the race here when he hit that curb in turn six, got all four wheels off the ground and came back down um, and kept going without collecting Jimmy Johnson. Um, that, that was really good, but um, that was a really good move by him. But yeah, Will Paro definitely needing it. Grosjean again, doing well at the IMS road course. Um, um, he's preparing for an oval race this week. We'll have more mm -hmm. on that later, but yeah, I definitely think this is what willpower need for redemption and a little confidence booster going into, um, gateway this weekend. Yeah. Willpower definitely made a big time season turnaround when he absolutely needed it the most. And that kind of capitalization is, you know, what can start inching your way up into contendership. And a, a big applause to pretty much everybody on the track this weekend for managing to turn it around from the slight disaster fest that was Nashville into a extremely well-run race this week. You know, except for, you know, one individual decided to, you know, try to be Superman again, but, you know, again, as you said, Dave McLaughlin managed to, again, land it without taking anybody out. Well done on him. Well, he just didn't go 10 feet in the air like Erickson did, but... Yeah. yeah, he decided, you know, maybe take it easy. Don't steal the man's thunder. You know, a little rude. He just body hopped it. Mm -hmm. You do what you must sometimes, but all in all, a well-run race by everybody, and, you know, a very, very entertaining at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course that we all have come to know, pretty much expect. Yep. So that was a, um, oh, and by the way, we talked about the, uh, the points here a minute ago. Um, so according to racingreference.info, um, the point lead is now 21 from Palo back to Patricio Award, who finished fifth on the day um, and took home 32 points for his effort. Um, Scott Dixon is 34 points back at third. Joseph Newgarden is 55 points back in fourth. And Marcus Erickson is 62 back in fifth. So it definitely tightens up the, uh, the points conversation a little bit. Um, obviously still quite the, uh, the gap between uh, Award and Pelot, but we'll see what happens going forward. 
Um, Will Power, by the way, for his win, uh, vaults himself into ninth in the point standings thus far this year. So later on that day, um, we also had the Xfinity race for, uh, for NASCAR that ran as well. And this one was from the very drop of the green flag, a harbinger of what was to come for the rest of the weekend. Um, on the very first lap of the race, there was a huge accident uh, coming through the chicane uh, on the backstretch that took out a number of, of cars, including Brandon Jones, Brandon Brown, I believe also, uh, Preston Partis, Kevin Harvick in uh, running a, a one-off in the 99 car um, was also taken out. Um, Harrison Burton also uh, came away with damage, but managed to salvage a top 10 out of the day. Um, the, uh, the issue was curbing and launching over curbing um, at the uh, principally at the exit of the chicane on the backstretch. Um, there, were, there was a lot of um, attrition during the course of the day, um, but at the end of the day, it was Austin Sindrick in the 22 car that um, led 29 laps on the day and held off A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Haley, Chase Elliott, and Noah Gregson to claim another win on the season for him. On the backside of the top 10, it was uh, Austin Dillon in the 23 car, Myatt Snyder, Riley Herbst, Harrison Burton, and Andy Lally in the 78 car for B.J. McLeod. Um, behind them, uh, you had um, Justin Allgaier and Daniel Hemrick in 11th and 12th. You had Ty Gibbs in 19th. Um, Jeb Burton in 23rd in the, uh, the 10 car. He was the last car on the lead lap. Um, and yeah, just a whole bunch of uh, attrition on the day. Sam Meyer in the eight car um, had a crash midway through the race um, and ended his day 27th. Gentlemen, your thoughts on the Xfinity race? I, I couldn't get to see it. I, like I was, um, I missed some action because I was at a party this past weekend um, for, for my niece. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm glad Cindric won it. You know, he, he's all, he's had some good success there. Um, but the, the talked about the curbing and I did hear about that. And I, I heard about the issue with the curbing and um you know, and, and that was the issue through the weekend, which um, kind of started to get me worried about what, you know, you know, did IMS do something not right um, with, with this curbing or did not factor in something? But yeah, I mean, Cindric good, you know, it's his last year. He's, he's going for a championship last year in the Xfinity, so... I think that was really good for him to win. Ryan? Yeah, I wasn't expecting the curbing thing to be nearly as much of an issue as it turned out to be. It ended up just being an absolute nightmare from one flag to the next. And as far as, you know, being an omen of things to come, 
not only was it going to be, you know, the unfortunate, you know, mishap with vehicle on vehicle interaction, but also with uh, turning it out, you know, Chase Elliott and AJ Allmendinger finding themselves very comfortable high up on that list. Indeed. Um, and then fast forward to Sunday, the big race, the cup race. Um, and it, what started off as actually a relatively smooth um, start to the race um, quickly turned into a nightmare of curbing coming up, grabbing splitters, oil pans, undercarriages of race cars, and uh, creating a, a, a huge, huge mess and creating such a lengthy um, extension to the end of the race that NBC was forced to move the end of the race to NBCSN because they simply couldn't run it on the, on the, um, the network channel anymore. They had, uh, P- they had golf they had to get to. And uh, in some markets, like mine, um, you were not able to watch the race on, uh, on your local NBC channel because um, they were showing the preseason uh, Carolina Panthers football game instead. Uh, that was true for, I believe it was uh, Raleigh-Durham, Greenville, and I think maybe Wilmington as well, but I can't be sure. Um, but I know Raleigh-Durham and Greenville uh, were definitely two markets. So... Um, uh, so I, there were there were a lot of issues all the way around, but um, the uh, the uh, it took I think an hour and a half to run the last two laps of the race, which goes to show just absolutely how crazy it was. Um, the uh, the final restart came down to a battle between Denny Hamlin and Chase Briscoe uh, in the fourteen car for Stewart House Racing. Uh, Hamlin ran Briscoe off the track. Uh, on the the green flag of the uh, the last uh, green white checkered, um, Briscoe uh, cut across the grass to come out to still fight Hamlin for the lead, but in so doing accrued a um, a penalty for cutting the course. Um, Briscoe said he was not made aware of this until um, after he had raced Hamlin hard uh, down onto the other side of the backstretch and made contact with him coming out of uh, one of the late corners over there and spun out Denny Hamlin. Um, This opened the door for AJ Allmendinger um, who had battled back from a pit road uh, penalty and had found himself in third at that point um, and was weathering all of the frenetic, uh, late race contact racing crashing um and after the top two took themselves out um Almondinger was there and managed to hold off ryan blaney kyle larson chase elliott and matt de benedetto to claim uh a surprise win um maybe not in terms of uh surprise in terms of his his talent we all know that he's a great road course racer but um that he was able to as a um a part-time driver with a, a team that is part-time in the cup series this year in college racing um came in and showed up all the big boys on sunday and brought on the win uh that was uh, truly remarkable and to give an idea of how 
uh, remarkable the uh, the end of this race was. Um, Justin Haley in the 77 car for Spire Motorsports, um, who you know, typically is not uh, one of those that runs very well from week to week, finished eighth. Um, you also had um, Corey LaJoy 16th, Josh Balicki in one of the Rick Ware entries, got a top 20 finish with uh, an 18th place finish. Quinn Hauf finished 22nd. Um, Otherwise, uh, you had, um, uh, like I said, Kurt Busch, Eric Jones, Haley, Sindrick, and Ryan Newman were the, uh, the rest of the top 10. Um, Bubba Wallace overcame a late penalty for um, avoiding some of the curbing that was um, uh, going awry and also avoiding um, a crashing car in front of him as well to uh, finish 13th. Kevin Harvick brought it home 14th. The Truex Jr. was 15th. Gentlemen, your thoughts on a crazy Sunday in Indy? I just, I mean, I, I'm glad to see Almondinger win it. I just watched the highlights uh, probably about an hour ago on, um, on YouTube, the, the highlights that um, NBC Sports puts out um, or NASCAR NBC puts out. And some of those crashes and the curbing ripping oil pans off. And um, it, it was, I mean, I listened to the end on the radio while I was cooking dinner. And I, by the time dinner was done on, on the grill, the race was, was, had just finished. So it was, um, it was just really nasty. Um probably not what they were hoping for considering how the last few brickyards have gone. So yeah, I think there's some work that has to be, be done, but congrats to Almondinger winning it. Second win or second cup win. I saw his first at Watkins Glen in person and Hey, Tyler Rack got a needed stage win to stay ahead of his teammate. Austin Dillon for the last spot in the playoffs. Ryan? Oh, big congratulations to AJ Allmendinger, not just for the win, but for managing to stay ahead of the onslaught of both Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott, because we've seen what that one-two punch does in road courses this season. So huge tip of the hat to him for superior driving skill and showing that not only skill, but right place, right time wins races. Indeed. Also, um, Almendinger had the freshest tires of anybody late in the race, too. And that was a, um, a critical piece of it. And um, with all of the late cautions, keeping the field bunched up, it definitely worked to he and his team's favor. Um, Larson also had a, a chance to win it late, but um, was caught up in uh, the general melee of uh, some of the late race uh, restarts. And so he, uh, he fell back a little bit uh, late, recovered to finish third, um, but was not in contention for the win uh, this week. So um, yeah, just an absolute crazy race. Um, you know, obviously the contact between Hamlin and Briscoe um, was a huge point of uh, conversation afterwards too. 
Uh, this week's Door Bumper Clear podcast was very, very entertaining on that subject. Um, and uh, in listening to the NASCAR channel on Sirius XM this week, um, there were um, uh, between both of those um, uh, media entities, there's, there was at least one comparison being drawn to Robbie Gordon at Montreal, uh, spinning out um, Marcus Ambrose while being under penalty uh, late in that race. Um, Briscoe, for his part, said that he was unaware that he was um, under a penalty until after he had made contact. And um, there's been some debate about whether or not um, that uh, uh, the, uh, the timeline of radio transmissions uh, backs up his claims. So either way, it'll be certainly interesting to see how all that plays out, especially in the coming two weeks um, before the, uh, the playoffs begin for the Cup Series. But um, gentlemen, final thoughts on uh, this weekend's events? I, I mean, I'll have some more, in, in, you know, in, in our final thoughts tonight yep. about it. But, um, yeah, I just, I, right now, I, I'm kind of lost for words at the moment, so. I mean, I can sum it up as the racing this weekend was kind of like a street fight. In the end, it's the street that always wins. It does. And, and speaking of the road, it's time for us to hit the road and get back to the shop and get the car ready for the next um, for the next green flag. In the interim, we've got a spotlight segment to uh, a great spotlight segment for this evening. We're going to talk about IndyCar returning to Iowa in 2022 on the other side of this break. This is from Checker to Green. Checker to Green podcast. We'll be right back. Are you enjoying what you're hearing? Join the conversation. Find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just look for the From Checker to Green podcast. Is there a particular segment you enjoy? Tell us. Is there a topic you'd like to cover? Let us know. It's your feedback that helps us generate content and drive the show. And if you're enjoying this episode, Listen to the rest of our catalog. You can find us on podcast.com and Apple Podcasts. Once again, just look for From Checker to Green Podcast. And now, back to the From Checker to Green Podcast. Thank you, Ryan, and welcome back, Grace fans. We have a really good spotlight segment here. As Elliot hinted before we went to break, the IndyCar series made breaking news yesterday when the NTT IndyCar series and the Midwestern grocery chain Hy-Vee united to bring Iowa Bullring Oval back on the calendar next year, according to Marshall Pruitt, and it's a new multi-year agreement. But next year, it's not just one race, it's Two doubleheader weekend at Iowa, July 23rd and the 24th in 2022. Uh, Saturday will be the um, HyVDeals.com 250, and then the Hyvee Salutes to Farmers 300 will be on that Sunday. 
gentlemen, it looks like it's going to, you know, they did this last year after COVID happened. It was a really good race at Iowa. Good double headers. They did a Friday, Saturday. I watched both of those. Those were some really good racing. Iowa's a really good track. According to Marshall Pruitt, we're extremely, he says, we're extremely pleased to return Iowa Speedway to NTT IndyCar Series calendar. And that was quoted by Roger Penske. And and Penske goes on to say, over the years, Iowa has proven to be a thing showcase for North America's premier open wheel series, a key oval and a hallmark on our schedule. We deeply miss seeing our fans in Iowa this year and look forward to what's ahead. Um, and that was according to Marshall Pruitt on racer.com. Um, I don't have terms of the agreement. All I know it's a it's going to be a multi-year agreement, which means we know it's going to be 2022 and at least 2023. Gentlemen, um, let's talk about it. We know it, you know, this is really exciting. Iowa's a really good track. What are your thoughts of them coming back? Ryan, Elliot? Uh, Ryan, do you want to start? Sure, I'll take it. Honestly, I was pretty excited to hear that announcement because, you know, those kind of boring tracks that you're really close, almost intimate kind of racing, it really keeps you on the edge of your seat. And that's the kind of one we go, you know what? It's almost the wind's determined by qualifying unless you get one of those really brave, crazy people who takes advantage of the straightaway to get a pass in. So seeing that back on the the schedule really, really makes me smile as a racing fan. And I hope to see good things out of it. Yeah, this is um, terrific news for um, the Iowa Speedway. Um, They've um, uh, obviously with uh, both IndyCar and NASCAR not being a part of their calendar this year. Um, yeah, that was a, a huge hit for them. Um, the only event that they, I believe they have this year um, was the uh, the ARCA race. And according to an article on frontstretch.com uh, by Mark Crystal, July 26th, um, they, uh, there was a quote in there from uh, Daniel Dye who finished second in that race uh, that said, that he was racing in front of 5,000 fans. So obviously not a very big turnout um, at uh, Iowa Speedway for what sounded like it was just a, a standalone ARCA event. So they definitely need some, uh, uh, some big name uh, series returning to that track um, to uh, um, kind of help the fortunes of it and also help uh, the fortunes of the surrounding area as well. Um, having IndyCar back, will be a huge help for that. Um, Obviously, with uh, the way that things went with NASCAR running at Knoxville and, you know, the results there being, um, you know, mixed, to put it gently, there's definitely some some renewed attention on returning to Iowa Speedway um, in, uh, in at least some forms of NASCAR as well. So, um, so this is big news for them. 
uh, you know, this is a little bit more of a wide open track than like a Richmond. Um, so, you know, uh, it should allow for, um, you know, a bullring feel with maybe a little bit more breathing room uh, than you would have at a, at a track like Richmond. Uh, David, what do you think? Most certainly. I mean, you look at Iowa, you watch the IndyCar races there, and it is a bullring field, but it is they can pass. Um, they're quick. I mean, they're they're just. I mean, they're ripping laps off, and uh, if you get a very like steady like green flag run, you can be through a race very quick. Um, it, it, I mean, it's good racing and they, they can most certainly get, um, I mean, if they're doing a Friday, Saturday, um, I mean, you could, or if you're doing a Saturday, Sunday, I mean, you could, you know, you could partner up with the cup series or, or partner up with Xfinity or, um, or the truck series or ARCA series, do something Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday you got the race. And who says you don't do the IndyCar race later that Sunday and you do a, a truck race earlier that Sunday. So the options there are endless. There, there's there's going to be endless options. It's a good draw. Um, I mean, you got Knoxville there where, I mean, if someone goes to Iowa, you know, if they want to go see a race, you know, Knoxville does sprint car races, you know, they have a regular sprint car schedule. So you could always go out to Knoxville, go see a sprint car race, and then go see an Indy car race. So I think it's really good for them. And this was, I was disappointed last year when I heard that Iowa wasn't going to be back. And I'm glad they brought it back. I'm glad they worked a deal out because this, this is a really big thing for them. Based on the article on IndyCar's website, the uh, chairman and CEO and president of High V, Randy Edmer, has stated that with our strong connection to the local community's involvement in the state, we plan to host an event that will receive national attention and make Newton an annual destination for racing fans. He hasn't laid out any specifics as of yet, but he's pretty much explained to expect a pretty grand gala affair for the return to Iowa. Well, they used to have a bunch of events out there. My dad's um, friend, the, the Frank Kimmel um street stock series uh raced at iowa speedway and my dad my the the buddy my dad uh the buddy that my dad knows whose race car he works on um ronnie uh ronnie richter um he you know he ran out at iowa there and you know, that was an event that, you know, you, you that street tech series got, you know, some NASCAR drivers out there. So, I mean, they can most certainly get the events out there. It's, I just think, you know, if, you know, if IndyCar's been your, your big thing, then there's where you work it around. So I think it would be very interesting. But you can also get the... Um, 
indie lights there and you know the lower series there and just do a whole indie car weekend with it with the races elliot your thoughts um um as we're talking i'm trying to um you know pull some some numbers um from you know the, the financial end of this and um what this means for um you know, not only for, for Iowa, but for, um, uh, for the speedway, but for the surrounding area itself as well. Um, so this area just east of Des Moines um, is, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a more rural area, a lot of farms. Um, and the, um, the city of Newton itself, where the speedway is located, is population of about 15,000. So um, pretty quiet place. Um, and so they've talked about the idea, of, and David, I think you just talked about this about, um, you know, incorporating different series and, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, NASCAR in some form or fashion again as well. Um, they were saying that because um, the reported seating capacity of this track is only about 30,000. Um, and again, that goes back to the uh, Crystal article here of, um, uh, uh, on frontstretch.com July 26th. Um, 30,000, you know, it's not necessarily, doesn't necessarily portend like a, a cup date, right? Um, you know, we've seen Xfinity run here before. Um, you know, Ryan Priest's win here in uh, um, uh, Joe Gibbs' ride that was essentially make or break for him um, comes to mind. But um, uh, and then the truck series as well, having, having run here over the years too. So they have the infrastructure for that. But in terms of being able to bring the Cup Series out there um, and being able to kind of combine um, NASCAR maybe with some other, um, other sanctioning bodies, um, you know, doesn't, uh, the, the infrastructure may not be there for that yet. Um, but with that said, there's a lot of effort to try and make Iowa Speedway work. And there was actually some concern, I guess, that um, this, this track may close um, coming into um, 2021, because obviously with the pandemic in 2020, um, the, um, well, actually even before the, the pandemic, um, the way that the, the series was, um, all the, the schedules were made, Iowa Speedway wasn't part of the conversation. And so there was concern then, um, and it was elucidated in another front stretch article by Clayton Caldwell, um, that um, this track may go, you know, the way of um, a number of other short tracks that have fallen off the NASCAR schedule in, um, in the last 20 years or so. Um, and Caldwell notes, um, in particular, Mesa Marine, Memphis, Evergreen, IRP, South Boston, Mansfield, Nashville Fairgrounds, and Myrtle Beach. Um, and Myrtle Beach having closed entirely and uh, is uh, no longer in operation. So, um, so that's obviously a big concern for um, a series that is trying to return to something more of um, more akin to like a grassroots, right? Um, having paid more attention to uh, dirt racing at all three levels this year. Um, and 
paying more attention to types of racetracks that are literally everything but the cookie cutters, right? Everything but the mile and a half. Um, you know, that's, that's saying something that, um, you know, short track racing doesn't necessarily get a, um, a place, the same place at the table that um, other forms of, um, of racing do in NASCAR. So there's that. Um, that track also has a pretty big uh, financial impact, um, economic impact for that area. Um, and I'm noting a study from Iowa State that was done in 2010. Um, and um, according to this, um, looks like um, when you look at the total combined impact for the, I believe it's for the state, um, they have, it's, it's a, a pretty big number uh, for them. It's, I think it's about a $30 million, 28 million, sorry. Um, if you're anticipating, uh, if they were, that was, if they were anticipating a 60,000 person boost in attendance in 2011 over 20, over 2009. Um, I'm not 100% sure if, if uh, they were able to do that or not, but that was the, uh, the scenario that they were operating under. Um, in terms of the existing, I think it's um, a, actually no, it was 34 million as was. So that's um, direct, indirect, induced, again, according to this report, um, and uh, was good for about 380 uh, jobs as well. So it, it means a great deal to this area for this track to do well. Um, and it's also worth noting that the um, Iowa state government is paying attention to this as well. In 2014, according to the Des Moines Register, they approved a $9 million tax rebate um, for this racetrack um, to um, help it um, uh, um, to help it succeed as well. So uh, a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of energy behind this track um, to uh, to see it succeed. Obviously, IndyCar coming back goes a long way towards this because it's a doubleheader weekend. It's there's probably not any room for um, any other series to jump in with it, um, unless maybe you get something like a USAC or something like that um, to uh, to join them. But NASCAR will have to be you know another time. But at the same time, they need to make the time to come back to this track um, and make it work because, um, you know, this is a, um, you know, and they, and they said in the, um, um, in wrapping up the ARCA race that this is a, um, you know, that they, uh, Ty Gibbs, uh, um, uh, after the ARCA race said they did a great job of building this place and it's a fun time here. Um, and uh, Billy Venturini, one of the car owners in Arca, he said, it's, um, it's a really unique place. It's a nice track, puts on a good show usually. Um, it's got its own surface. Um, and uh, so, you know, you, you hear those things and you hear those positives from the racers and from the, from the garage, from the owners, um, uh, car owners. That, that's, that goes a long way. And so let's, let's see where this goes. And if, um, 
there can be some positive momentum built out of this towards um, making Iowa um, a more regular um, visit on more schedules um, for more um, more touring series going forward. Most certainly. I mean, we, we got, I mean, I mean, it, there's definitely been the economic impact there. And I just, I, what I think in it is that you've got to bring, um, you can bring IndyCar there, but it, it worked good when they had cup there, kind of that double header. I mean, if this is some or not, or the trucks. I, I'm not saying that they need to bring Cup there. Who knows? Maybe they experiment with it. Maybe not. But even if you just brought the Xfinity guys, that's fine. A little diversity in those in the trucks and the Xfinity schedule is fine. You don't have to have with the Cup race every weekend at a track, a truck race, and an Xfinity race. Have a little diversity there. Pair it up a little. I, I just I just think that's where they gotta go with it. And, and we'll see what happens. It, it's a it's a good start. There's gonna be more information coming out of it. Um we we also know that eventually they may be signing a multi-year deal with WWT Raceway IndyCar. And there's truck and, and Am Stern is talking about on Twitter that NASCAR may be going there next year they're looking at that so we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with that but um you know it, it's a story in progress and i know we're gonna have more things about it coming up and i'm sure in future episodes we're gonna hit back on this so um gentlemen with that said we, I, I know this is this story was developing. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll touch base on it as we go along, as we get more information, especially in our off season previews. We, we can, you know, dive into things more of that when schedules get released too. And, and talking about that, we know that's coming. So, with that said, uh, we've got another, uh, another break here. Ryan's going to talk about our sponsors, and then we're going to preview this weekend's action with Michigan and Gateway, well, Worldwide Technology Raceway. This is From Checker to Green. We'll be right back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Are you looking to enhance your business's identity? Consider Samurai Graphics. Samurai Graphics has the knowledge and resources to make your business stand out amongst your competitors. Everything from logo design, business cards and letterheads to advertising options such as postcards, flyers and brochures, everything you need to get your name out to where it needs to be most, your customers. If you're interested, contact Samurai Graphics at samuraigraphics716 at gmail.com samurai graphics your business design solution and now we're back to the from checker to green podcast
Thank you, Ryan. It's time to go green. We've got some a weekend full of racing action to talk about. Uh, the first is the Bomarito Automotive Group 500 from Worldwide Technology Speedway at Gateway for the NTT IndyCar Series. Looking back at this race in recent years, um, it appears that um, Team Penske has done very, very well here. Um, you've had Will Power winning here in 2018, um, Joseph Newgarden winning in 2020, but you've also had Scott Dixon doing very well here, winning in 2020 as well, um, and then Takuma Sato in 2019. Gentlemen, your thoughts on this upcoming weekend um, at Gateway and who you think might do well? Well, I gotta say, you know, Gateway, I, I like, it's one of the tracks, it's a little, it's a longer race, it's 260 laps, it's 500 kilometers, and, um, you know, it's, you know, how Pocono has three distinct turns modeled after tracks, well, according to the IndyCar site, Worldwide Technology Raceway, aka Gateway, for all you people who still call it Gateway, like you still call it Sandy Bush series, um, has unique turns. One and two are have characteristics similar to New Hampshire Motor Speedway, while three and four are similar to ISM Raceway in Phoenix. And the track's egg shape, which is reminiscent of Twin Ring Motegi, or if you're on the NASCAR side, it's reminiscent of Darlington shape. But yeah, it, it's an interesting track. I love the racing here. It's a it's a really good racing series. Um, last year they ran double races, one where Dick uh Dixon won it and then Newgarden won the other. But you know, they've been here since um 2017 prior to that it was 2003 and before that it was cart um ryan hunter ray is the only one who's actually ran the cart 03 and then from 17 on but i want to say i think my driver i think the chances for somebody to win this is a track where scott dixon could have a good bounce back um look for Pato award um palouse actually got to take a nine grid penalty due to the engine change and losing his engine at ims so i think with that you've got you're looking at a more i would say ward and dixon are my favorites for that just because of the championship battle ryan your thoughts I think this is going to be a very strategic race where you're going to see the drivers really, really choose their spots. Well, when it comes to passing, moving up the pack. And I think pit strategy is probably going to play into this as well. It's going to be a matter of timing to see who can not only get to the front, but stay there. And I think with uh, Scott Dixon's move to edge him pretty, pretty close to the front of the IndyCar series. I think this is one where you're going to see him make the right moves. Even if he doesn't win, I see top three for him easily. And 
I wouldn't be overly surprised to see Pato Award and him slugging it out somewhere near the end for that precious checkered flag. Right. Or Ellie, your thoughts? Um, yeah, this is going to be um, uh, one of those weekends where I think it's going to be wide open between a couple of different teams. I think it's going to be a slugfest between Penske, Ganassi, and possibly even um, Ray Hall and Andretti. Um, you know, these are, um, you know, we talked before about, um, you know, Penske having done well here um, and Newgarden winning the, the most recent race here. Um, well, Will Power finished third in that race too. Um, you know, and all this according to racingreference.info. So there's, um, so Penske's definitely got, um, got something going there. Um, but at the, and also with power coming off of his win this last weekend at Indy, that'll be a um, you know he'll, he'll, he's looking to add to his win total this year and, and try and make something out of what's been a really rough season for him. Um, but with that said, um, you know Sato hasn't forgotten how to race here um, either. Um, you know he had a, um, a decent weekend this last one, um, and he also runs well here he's one here uh and last time he started on pole but finished ninth so um so he might be another one that uh i might see um i might see looking to do well and then obviously um uh award having bit into a lot of the the point lead that um Pelot had coming into indy he's run well here too so um, it'll be interesting to me to see the, the team dynamic I just spoke of interspersed with the points battle between Award and uh, Polo and then um, uh, Newgarden and the rest of the top five, because this is um, a weekend where um, I think you're going to see the championship contenders do well, but if one or two of them stumbles, then that's that's going to be uh, big news for the championship going forward. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. A lot of good racing under the lights. I, I, I will say that I, I love this track. Um, I mean, just like how Darlington is to NASCAR, this is to IndyCar. It's a, you know, it's a challenge. You know, look for the, the chaotic start where cars are going to try to, you know, try to make that three three wide attempt and it, it, it's going to really be fun but that's not the only racing going on this weekend Elliot let's talk about Michigan let's do it um, so the the NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series are both going to Michigan International Speedway this weekend um, the Cup cars for the Firekeeper Casino 400, and for the Xfinity Series, it's the New Holland 250, um, the 250 miler uh, for the um, for the Xfinity Series. Um, looking back at um, at recent years, it's been a mix of Fords and Chevys dominating for prolonged periods of time at this track, and for the last. Six races, according to racingreference.info, it has been um, all blue ovals all the time. 
Before that, it was Kyle Larson in uh, the Chip Ganassi Chevy that rattled off three wins in a row here from uh, 2016 to 2017. So clearly, uh, this has been a, uh, a track that has been to Ford's benefit in recent years. But as hot as Kyle Larson has been this year, and knowing that he can win here and has done it um, three times thus far, it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. On the Xfinity side, um, it's been um, uh, Chevys and Toyotas that have done very well here um, in, uh, in recent races. Um, and most recent one, uh, Tyler Reddick taking the, uh, the, the checkered flag that was in 2019. Um, coming into this year, um, to me, I think this one's wide open once again. Um, you know, you've got um, obviously Sindrick having just won this past weekend. Uh, he might be due for um, for a good weekend here, but um, you know, I also see um, the the college cars and the the junior motorsports cars. I think they're they're going to be pretty strong this weekend here too. Yeah, I mean, looking at this, I I, I have to agree with you with with the college cars for for the. Um, you know, for the Xfinity race. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely going to be interesting um, to, to see what what's going on with that. And you're right. I mean, Michigan's been a, a, um, a four, you know, a um, blue, you know, it, it has been a blue oval track through the years and, you know, it's, it's definitely got, you know, it's definitely going to have its, have its thing there. Um, you know, you know, especially for the Xfinity series, Ryan. Yeah, there's no argument with the history that it's been, you know, very Ford friendly in Michigan, but there's a lot of drivers coming in hot that are running other logos like, you know, bow ties and such. But once again, you, you can't, always rely on like okay these guys are, did great in the last race but let's remember the last race was also a road course so we're going back to the oval which once again changes up the dynamic completely which any guarantees that you think you have go right out the window but as far as coming in strong well let's face it you know the one-two punch that is kyle larson and chase elliott you, you can't sleep on them because that's the one of the fastest ways to lose a race and especially with them starting up front, that does put them in the advantage seat. But the question is, can they hold on to it? It's possible, but there's a lot of hungry drivers on that track that go, nope, that checkered flag is mine this time. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me to see the uh, both one or both of the bushes up the front slugging it out for the win, or you know, even a sleeper like, say, a Kevin Harvick or even you know, since the world is full of surprises and it tends to be Ford friendly, uh, Joey Logano type of driver coming in out of nowhere if they have a good day. And as far as the Xfinity side goes, like, yes, we have Austin Cinder coming in really hot off the win, but let's not forget right behind him is AJ Allmendinger who is also coming in hot off the win. So that right there at one and two, you're going to see a fight probably most, if not all, of the race. 
Yeah, and I got, um, I also want to throw a couple, I, I want to throw my two cents in on Sunday's action. So, um, yeah, Larson and Elliot on the poll, I think, um, you know, I think that's really going to be good for them. That's going to be, you know, Lars, you know, Larson, Elliot, you know, especially Larson to get that um, regular season championship would, would be really huge. And he's just been on momentum all across the board lately. Um, I Knoxville Nationals win uh, the Brian Clawson 39 at IMS last night. He swept that. Um, I think that's going to be good, you know, good for him. So look for those two guys to be good. But yeah, the Bushes could be very interesting this weekend, um, both of them. Um, I, again, I think this could definitely go to a four, but I wouldn't be surprised if Hendrick um, decides, you know, has a good weekend and has a good race Sunday. And one of the Hendrick guys gets it. No, it's always a real possibility. And again, we know in these type of races, when, you know, we're getting down to the wire in the playoffs, you know, there's going to be drivers that you're going to see, you want it just a little bit more. And they're willing to take the extra risk and do the extra, you know, tricky drive maneuver that gets them to the front of the pack. Elliot, your thoughts? I agreed with both of you. And then uh, there's also um, another driver's, you know, he's out there. He's kind of good um, by the name of Kyle Bush. And so um, I think we, uh, we definitely need to keep an eye on him too. And then there's also the thought about um, if, uh, if Denny Hamlin can also finally get over the hump and win his first race of the season too for Toyota. So it'll certainly be interesting, but, um, but yeah, I think it'll be, you know, there's, there's um, enough speed there, I think, between the Fords and the Chevys. I think it, um, it might come down to them this weekend. So um, one other note before we go into um, final thoughts, um, and that is um, there is another big race um, fin to happen this weekend as well. And that is the 24 hours of Le Mans over in France. Um, they ran qualifying today. Um, they have a new category over there, at least one I've never heard of before. It's called the hypercar category. Um, and they are the, uh, the fastest class of all the, uh, uh, the different class of cars that are running over there. Um, Mike Conway um, took the pole at 3 minutes, 23.9 seconds. Um, and that was a little under three tenths better than their teammate. Um, and uh, this was um, Toyota, Toyota Kazoo Racing, actually, um, sweeping the uh, front row. Um, and that was um, uh, the, it was uh, uh, Kami Kobayashi um, who won the poll. And it was Brendan Hartley um, in the second uh, Toyota effort. Um, that won the, uh, the uh, that uh, secured the front row for Toyota. So um, certainly be very interesting. Um, also worth noting for, uh, for you Dale senior fans out there, uh, Jordan Anderson is bringing a, um, uh, a race helmet that was uh, done up in the design of 
the late Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s um, GM Goodridge scheme. Uh, and I believe uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. may have had a hand in the design of it as well. So um, that'll certainly be something to watch. I believe they're running, uh, he's running for a Corvette um, over there. So uh, something else to keep an eye on too. Um, but um, we'll have much more about that um, this uh, in our, our next episode. But for now, it's time to jump into final thoughts. And our final thoughts for this week um, are kind of looking back at what happened at, um, at Indy this last weekend um, and some things that, um, that can be done to help the situation going forward um, in both the small and big. So, uh, gentlemen, let's uh, let's talk about it. Um, the The big issue for them was the uh, the curbing in the chicane. Um, I believe you might call it turns five and six. I think it was um, either um, cars uh, vaulting off of like the turtles that were there, uh, particularly during the Xfinity race on on Saturday, um, or the curbing just coming away from the racetrack and snagging the bottom of race cars on Sunday. Um, so there's been a lot of different uh, thoughts proposed about it. Um, what are yours? What are some of your initial thoughts that came out of it? Well, some of the thoughts I had out of it was um, the curbing was a major issue. I, 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 I don't think they should um, next year they do this. I think that curbing should not be there. Um, or if so, it should be a little further back. Um, you know, that way they could, you know, they can try to strain it out. Um, I also kind of wonder, cause I watched Doug Bulls um, drive the track and he, he actually ended up going a little different way, which was different from the um, track configuration they use. So part of me kind of wonders eventually, um, maybe if they end up, um, um, it, maybe if they change up the configuration a little bit, maybe that helps. But they got to do something about the curbing for sure. I think overall, it, as much of that issue happened and, and the red flags, I think they did everything to put on a good show. Um, I, I do say um, Roger Penske has improved a lot of things with that track. So I think them racing was really good, but you know, it just like all these new tracks, they are going to discover new things. They, they are going to have to fix things. Um, it was good job for increasing the braking zones. That was a good, um, let's, you know, avoid that mistake before it even happens. So overall, you know, if I have rated out of 10, yeah, six or seven out of 10, but I think they can approve and let's just hope this doesn't go the way of the Brickyard 400 as it's been. Ryan, Elliot, your guys' thoughts? 
was getting to a couple of points in some of these races over the course of the weekend where I was starting to wonder if some of that curbing had malicious intent because I, I got a few race watches under my belt, you know, sort of the nature of the sport, but I have never seen a part of the track do so much damage to so many cars and cause so much destruction. It's you go like, what the heck is going on in those turns? Is there some sort of sabotage we're not seeing? But one way or another, they really need to address that major elephant in the room after this weekend, because that's not something you can repeat like ever, because there are, you could just feel the collective disappointment from the pit crews going, Oh, we have such work ahead of us after this. It ain't going to be fun. I agree with you, Ryan, and, and uh, car owners, too, looking at uh, at their checkbooks going, oh, boy, this is going to get a workout this week. Um, but um, but with that said, the one thing that um, is worth noting is you didn't really see too many of these issues in practice or in qualifying, right? When um, the cars were much, much more spread out, it was more single car efforts, um, we tended to see these things um, during the, the race itself, everybody was in a, you know, a big pack of cars, right? And not really the leaders either, but more, um, you know, um, uh, you know, back in the field a little bit, you know, back in the, the you know, uh, from like fifth to 10th or even behind that. So what may have happened here was, you know, drivers that, weren't able to find their marks because of other cars being focused about um, where cars were, you know, if they were side by side going into, um, uh, into this, this particular corner um, and not really paying attention to where their marks were and where they were on the racetrack. Uh, so there's that. But with that said, this was the only corner where that was an issue. There wasn't this issue anywhere else on the racetrack. And so clearly there needs to be a fix. Um, we have seen this before, um, you know, and, and Davey, you talked about growing pains for, you know, some of the first efforts in um, uh, a track configuration or even a new track. Um, the Roval comes to mind with the chicane on the backstretch uh, the very first year when they had the tire barriers sticking way out um, and Bubba Wallace and Eric Jones both had very, very hard hits um, from clipping the end of that, uh, that uh, tire barrier. So, and they made fixes to that. So clearly they're going to need to do something different here. Um, what that is, I'm not 100% sure yet, but they can't employ like walls to inform where the track boundaries are because that's, that's not going to work. That's going to, that's, that's a safety issue. Um, they can't, you know, nor can they do tires or any, any sort of barrier there to narrow the track. That's, that's not going to work. Um, so clearly they're going to need to think about um, different ways of informing where the track boundaries are through curbing or something of, of the like or maybe even just change up the, um, the track design there um, to maybe make the, uh, the chicane a little bit more severe so that they're not going through 
wide open, um, you know, where they need to, to give a little bit more break into it. And that, um, if I remember right, that's what they did um, on the, uh, the backstretch uh, bus stop at the Roval was they just simply made the turns a little bit sharper. And by and large, that seemed to fix the, uh, the issue there. Um, now there's other issues in terms of how drivers race each other. Um, you know, like we saw with uh, Briscoe and Hamlin at the end of the race, there was a very spirited debate about that um, on DBC this last week. Um, so that's its own thing. But um, in terms of fixing the track, there's ways to do it. Um, and there's also ways to do it with the cars, cars too. Um, you know, one thought I had that I heard echoed on DBC was, well, why are we still running a splitter? Why are we running this, especially with a next-gen car? You know, it's a complete redesign. Let's get rid of it. Let's bring back the valence that we had uh, back in the, the 90s and early and mid-2000s, pre-COT. Let's get rid of the splitter. Me personally, I don't understand how OEMs incorporate the splitter in NASCAR into their car designs. I don't understand it. So maybe we get rid of that and go back to something to where, okay, if you hit these, uh, these curbs, then, okay, maybe it hurts the valence a little bit, but it's a slow speed course. It's not going to be the end of your race and it's not going to be the end of, the end of you being competitive either. I mean, most certainly, and I, I, I think, you know, with, with changes in that, and, you know, we'll see how the next-gen car handles next year on this, and, and we'll see how the schedule plays out, too, for it, but I, I think we, we're going to have to see what the next-gen car does, and we'll have to see what changes occur, because not only did this happen with the cups, but cup guys that they're curving, but also you know, Scott McLaughlin in the, in the IndyCar. So we'll, we'll definitely see what happens with that for sure. Very good. Um, but in the interim, for now, the, uh, the green flag's out and it's time to go racing. So um, for me, this is Elliot Tardif saying thank you very much for uh, listening to episode number 26 with us. And um, we'll look forward to seeing you in number 27. This is Ryan Klopak saying we appreciate everyone who takes the time and trouble to listen to what we have to say. Thank you much. And we'll catch you on the next round. I'm David Moy. Thank you for listening to episode 26. And we appreciate you listening. Have a good evening. This is From Checker to Green, the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Checkered to Green podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook group, Checkered to Green podcast. Tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the Checkered to Green podcast. (laughs) 